Hello and welcome to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm your host, Prudence Robertson. Election in Ohio. A majority of voters in Ohio rejected a ballot initiative with important implications in the fight to defeat a radical abortion measure in November. We speak to State Representative Jenna Powell and Marjorie Dannenfelser of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America on how this defeat affects pro-life Ohioans. Hunting and archery programs defunded. The Biden administration has admitted to defunding public school programs to teach young boys hunting and archery. Could the end of these programs make it harder to raise resilient young men? We have details about how this move could impact American families. A dream come true. We're joined by Claire Pizzuti, who was inspired in a dream as a young girl to found a home for pregnant mothers. Her vision has saved moms and babies through the intercession of a powerful saint whose feast we celebrate this week. On Tuesday, a majority of Ohioans voted no on issue one. This measure would have raised the threshold of support needed in order to add an amendment to the state's constitution from a simple majority to a supermajority. This is consequential because an amendment will be on the ballot in the state in November that would enshrine abortion in the Constitution and destroy parental rights when it comes to giving consent for an abortion or even gender change surgeries. Now it's more likely that this amendment will be adopted. More than three million Ohioans showed up to vote this week and during early voting, a higher turnout than expected that blew last year's turnout numbers out of the water. 57% of Ohioans voted no on issue one, while 43% voted yes. Polls leading up to the election predicted this grim outcome for pro-life advocates in Ohio. Joining us now for On the Ground Reaction is Ohio State Representative Jenna Powell. She serves the state's 80th district. Jenna, thanks for joining us. Your reaction to this loss, are you surprised? You know, it's extremely frustrating to see, but at the end of the day, out-of-state interest money flowed into the state of Ohio, and we ended up with a no on issue one, um, which is extremely frustrating to see. But at the end of the day, um, it is what it is, and we have to look toward November, and we want to do everything we can to move forward. And Jenna, we know that this amendment doesn't only impact abortion, it also impacts the rights of parents to be involved in their children's lives when it comes to things like gender confusion and participating in sports, things like this. Can, can you elaborate on that for me a bit? You know, the amendment is very deceptive because it's not just about reproductive freedom as they are trying to pass it. It does a lot more than that. Um, It really is getting in between a parent and a child's relationship. We know that parents do the best they can for every single child. But under the amendment, it's taking away a lot of parental rights when it comes to um, a lot of this gender transition surgery, surgeries, puberty blockers. Um, And so parents are are really concerned about this in the amendment. Um, That's why we really need to do everything we can to defeat it. Um, In Ohio, we're working on a lot of different things. We know that um, puberty blockers, transgender surgeries for minors are are really harmful to children in our state. Um, and the legislature is doing everything we can to actually say, hey, children should not be be undergoing surgery when it comes to transgender transgender things, as well as um, abortion. You uh, minors will be able to have abortion without parental consent mm. um, if passed as well. So we really need to do everything we can to defeat this in November because it does get in between a child and a parent when it comes to um, their surgeries, their doctors and uh, abortions. 
And some are saying the pro-life movement in Ohio really needed this win in order to be successful in defeating that pro-abortion amendment you just mentioned. It will be on the ballot in November. That has been confirmed. How are you feeling now about November? You know, as lawmakers, we're going to do everything we can, and we're going to work tirelessly to ensure Ohioans understand what November is about. Um, November, it's going to be on the on the ballot. You know, do we want full-term abortions on demand, taxpayer-funded, um, or not? And that's what really the November election is going to be about, and that's what's going to be decided upon. And so we really have to work hard to get the message out there because we know Ohioans are pro-life. We know that they do not agree with late-term abortions. We know they don't want them to be taxpayer-funded. And we know as well that, that Ohioans want to support life. So we're going to do everything we can to get the message out there so they understand what's going to be on the election in November. Right. It doesn't really add up that a heartbeat bill would be enacted by the legislature and then all of a sudden all of these Ohioans want abortion. It just doesn't make sense. Um, Jenna, I'm hoping you can give us some insight into what it's been like in the Ohio legislature these past few months. Could you explain the landscape? Do most of your colleagues in Columbus agree with you in opposing abortion? You know, my my colleagues are pro-life. You know, we are elected as conservative Republicans. We have supermajority in the House. We have supermajority in the Senate. And what that tells us is that Ohioans are pro-life. Mm. Each and every one of us have campaigned on, on, on fighting to protect the unborn. And so in the legislature, we're doing everything we can to ensure that Ohioans know what's going on. Because what you saw during the last election is that out-of-state interests came in, flooded our state with money, and confused voters. Mm. At the end of Ohioans are pro-life, and it's our job as legislators to make sure Ohioans understand what's happening and what's going to be on the November election ballot. Yeah, that clarity is so needed. Jenna, I'm curious, in this these days after the election, what's the energy like on the ground in Ohio, especially among pro-lifers? You know, a lot of people are frustrated. They've reached out to me today, and, and they are frustrated. But what I continue telling them is that in my district, Ohioans voted over 75% in favor of yesterday's ballot initiative, which tells us they're pro-life. They want to protect our Constitution. And so my message to pro-lifers, my message to conservative Ohioans is do not give up the fight. We have to do everything we can to look to no November. We know that Ohioans do not support late-term abortions. We know that they do not support taxpayer-funded abortions. And so our job is to continue doing what we, we do. We speak truth, we fight for truth, and we do not give up. And we know that Ohio has come a long way in the last 10 years when it comes to pro-life policies. And that's because the people of Ohio are pro-life. The people of Ohio want to protect our Constitution. And so now it's our job to continue getting out the message. And we have the time to do that. Um, and we need to do everything we can to ensure that people know what's on the November ballot and know what's at stake. Sure. And before I let you go, Jenna, I understand uh, Ohio has a Walk for Life coming up in October. I was privileged to be with you at last year's Walk for Life in Ohio. Could you kind of preview that event for me, especially because it'll be right before this election? What do you think we can expect on that day? Well, thousands of Ohioans flooding to, to, to Columbus, Ohio, to promote life, to fight for life, and to tell their legislators that they stand for life in their communities and in our state. So what you're going to see is you're going to see thousands of Ohioans coming to Columbus. You're going to see them marching. You're going to see them, um, you know, coming together and saying, we want to defend the unborn. We do not want this um, to take place or to pass in November. 
We don't want full-term abortions in our state. We don't want late-term abortions. We do not want taxpayer-funded abortions. And so you'll see a lot of people come together. Um, if you're pro-life in our state, please come to the Capitol. Come and march on behalf of the unborn and hear incredible speakers as they talk about what they're doing to promote and to protect the unborn in our state. And so if you are an Ohioan, come on out to Columbus. Come and have your voice heard. It is an incredible event, and I, I'm excited about attending this year as well. Well, State Representative Jenna Powell, thank you so much for breaking things down for us from Ohio, and uh, thank you for your pro-life work. God bless you. Thanks for having me. For continued reaction, we're joined now by Marjorie Dannenfelser, president of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. Marjorie, thanks for being here. Your initial reaction to the outcome of this vote, what were you expecting? Well, it's uh, a definitely disappointment. Uh, we had door-to-door -door folks going to 175,000 homes in Ohio to explain why uh, it would be better to raise the bar for changing the Constitution to 60 percent. We did not achieve um, the goal of, uh, of raising that bar, and that is very disappointing. It's for a series of some complicated reason, but I would say reasons, but I would say number one, it is because the business community who wanted the pro-life community to kind of step aside during the first three weeks of this initiative um, failed to step up and allow the dark money from the other states pouring in um, from Hollywood and everywhere else mm. to basically go on the airwaves un completely un um, unanswered for about three weeks, a million dollars wow. a week. It's a big lead that they got, and they had extensive early voting um, we've learned some things, but we certainly was not a referendum on abortion. It was a referendum on changing the threshold of the Constitution. That question will come in November. Mm, yeah, it's amazing how impactful that head start can be. And Marjorie, this election came at an unusual time for most voters. It's the height of summer, not a presidential election year. How do you think that impacted voter turnout and the results? Yeah, that's the savvy question. In August, August 8th, dog days of summer, most people are not focused on elections. But if you have a ton of money and you command the airwaves uh, and you're great at recruiting early voting uh, and absentee balloting uh, the way the left is, um, and you have silent airwaves for several weeks, it's easy to get the advantage because you can buy your way into getting people's attention. Now, we certainly uh, did... Uh, a valiant effort on the pro-life side. There was a beautiful co coalition, still is growing stronger in Ohio for this amendment. And the bishops uh, of the of Ohio and the Archbishop Schneer are doing a beautiful job of focusing on November. So I think that even though uh, we are disappointed about this, there's certainly hope uh, for what for um, and just a few months away, making sure that uh, the we win that ballot, that we say no to uh, unlimited abortion up until the end and no parental rights when it comes to abortion or sex change surgeries for children. Right, right. Marjorie, shifting gears a bit, what are the national implications of this loss? We've seen abortion activists using these ballot initiatives across the country in almost a dozen states now. Um, they're working to try to work around and even nullify pro-life laws that have been passed since the overturn of Roe. Um, yeah. Talk to me about that. 
Yeah, it's one of their top two strategies. They want to pass a federal law that wipes out every single pro-life protection on the books, and they want to go state by state to pro-life states and put uh, where they can change the constitutions to eliminate any possibility of saving any life up until the end. That is their strategy, and they're good at ballot initiatives because we don't have a live candidate actually communicating um, how bad the uh, left, abortion left's ideas are. So, and they always have more money than we do. That's why they're really focusing on this in states that will allow a constitutional amendment um, of this sort. And so uh, for the national implication, however, I would not say that we should make any conclusions today because this was about whether they changed the threshold in their constitution to 60% or not. I think the one takeaway that I would say for the pro-life movement is don't wait for anybody else to help uh, when uh, outside of people committed to the pro-life cause. Um, people on the fence who want to help and the pro-life groups and our and our faithful, the majorities in these states, we it is our responsibility. And so never allow anybody to say stand down for even a moment, even on something like this, this a threshold change for the Constitution. We have a lot of hope moving in. And now we know, as you do, Prudence, now when before we had these votes, it was it was theoretical. Now, every single time we win one of these amendments or we win a law in a state or we win a federal law, it is saving tens, hundreds, eventually millions of lives of human beings and giving the love and attention to their mothers that they actually deserve. Right, right. And on the presidential front in 2024, your group recently put out a statement saying that um, even candidates like Ron DeSantis, some of the things that they're saying to the media are unacceptable to pro-life voters. Can you explain your position on the presidential um, slate of candidates right now? Do you think pro-life Americans are going to have a solid candidate to turn to come time to vote in the primaries, Marjorie? I think it should be top of mind of everyone watching today. Anyone that is strongly pro-life or even slightly pro-life has to insist that their that their presidential candidate represent them on on this issue. That uh, and if you believe that this nation should stand for something when it comes to life, then you, we must insist that our presidential candidates do so. So the bright line in the sand for them is that they must commit to having a responsibility should they gain entry into the Oval Office that they should be advocating for, not waiting for a bill to sign to save the lives of children. And it should be, you know, uh, 15 weeks or let's hope better. Yeah. Um, and, and that they should insist upon that. And then they contrast it with their opponents and they will always come out better because the Biden or whoever is a Democratic candidate will always have an abortion unlimited until the end position. And so it will serve them well. So the bottom line and the answer to your question is we cannot flinch. If they are flinching, we cannot be flinching. We need to have a candidate that we can support. Otherwise, the, uh, the left will absolutely pass a law that nullifies every single pro-life law in the country. And that means death of children and mm. suffering women. Yes. Well, Marjorie, even though we have disappointing news today, it's always a joy to speak with you. And I'm, I'm grateful for your joining us today. Marjorie Dannenfelser, SBA Pro-Life America. And now for some more headlines moving the nation and world this week. First up, EWTN was in Lisbon, Portugal for World Youth Day, which brought 1.5 million Catholics together from across the nation. Aimed at bringing young people together to celebrate their faith, the event attracted many families and people of all ages. Pope Francis joined the faithful there, leading them in the sacrament of the Mass and even heard the confessions of many young people. He hearkened back to the founder of World Youth Day, Pope St. John Paul II, encouraging young people 
people to be not afraid. The week-long gathering was not untouched by current events. Pilgrims gathered in Fatima to pray for peace as the war in Ukraine continues. The site is considered hallowed ground, as the Virgin Mary appeared to three young shepherds there in the early 20th century, telling them there would be peace if the bishops of the world consecrated the country of Russia to her immaculate heart. Pope Francis did so last year and offered silent prayers at the pilgrimage site during this World Youth Day. Back here in the States, the American Academy of Pediatrics just affirmed their support for invasive sex change surgeries. A recent vote reaffirmed the group's policy from 2018 that authorized these life-altering so-called treatments for minor children. A statement from the AAP reads that this decision was made in order to ensure that children are, quote, seen, heard, and valued as they are. This comes on the heels of a hearing on Capitol Hill where witnesses, including detransitioner Chloe Cole, gave firsthand testimony that shed light on how young people are coerced into changing their gender. Current legislation being considered in the House, known as the Protect Children's Innocence Act, would make it a crime to change a child's gender. And finally, an update from Missouri, where state legislators have filed a lawsuit challenging the radical pro-abortion amendment that could appear on Missourians' ballots next year. Lawmakers argue that the cost estimate of ratifying this amendment, which would drastically expand abortion in the pro-life state, is far too low. You may remember that the state's attorney general, Andrew Bailey, made the same argument a few weeks ago, arguing that bringing abortion back to Missouri, which currently has no operating abortion clinics, would cost billions of dollars. The state Supreme Court ordered the attorney general to back down, but that hasn't stopped state lawmakers from taking action. The lawsuit states the proposed amendments would allow the destruction of thousands of preborn Missouri citizens a year, with profound consequences to Missourians that far eclipse financial concerns. We'll continue to track this and keep you updated. Coming up, programs in schools nationwide to teach hunting and archery are being defunded by the Biden administration. We unpack how this could impact young men and their upbringing. Plus, we bring you the inspiring story of a young woman who received divine inspiration to save moms and babies. This, right after the break. You're watching EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Welcome back to our program. The Biden administration has opted to defund hunting and archery programs for students in schools across America. The decision is projected to impact thousands of schools and millions of students. Biden's Department of Education claims they are making these cuts to enforce the Bipartisan Safe Communities Act in an attempt to decrease school shootings. But many are saying they're displeased with the move and that students will bear the brunt of the consequences. The International Hunter Education Association reports that hunting courses in schools help to certify hundreds of thousands of safe shooters and that these programs can be credited with a decrease in hunting-related injuries. What's more, some educators argue that learning how to hunt and shoot is is an important part of teaching students important life skills, especially young men who are expected to grow up and provide for, protect, and defend their families. 
Tommy Floyd, president of the National Archery and Schools Program, said, quote, skills from shooting sports help young people grow to be responsible adults. They also benefit from relationships with role models. And Congressman Doug LaMalfa of California said this, interest in hunting, fishing, camping, and other such activities should be cultivated from a young age. Withholding authorized funding is ridiculous. Another member of Congress, Tom Tiffany of Wisconsin, characterized the move to ban hunting sports in schools as making American school children, quote, pawns in Joe Biden's misguided crusade against America's sportsmen. For our final story, we'll take a moment to honor St. Clair of Assisi, whose feast day is tomorrow, Friday, August 11th. The patron saint of television, the founder of the Poor Claire's Franciscan Order, she is a special patroness of Mother Angelica and our entire EWTN network. And a home for new moms and their babies in South Carolina has a special connection to this beautiful saint. St. Clair's home was founded by Claire Pizzuti in partnership with other pro-life leaders in her home diocese of Charleston, South Carolina. As a young girl, Claire was inspired in a dream to found the home. Now that dream has become a reality, and it has saved countless lives from abortion. St. Clair's facilities include both a maternity home where expectant and new moms can live, plus a resource center that serves hundreds of women by providing them with material needs. Claire Pizzuti joins me now. Claire, thank you so much for being here. If you wouldn't mind, could you share a bit more about this dream you had as a girl? Yes, Prudence. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on here today. I'm very excited to share a little bit about a cause that is near and dear to my heart. Around 20 years ago, I had the first of three dreams, which showed exactly how active we need to be in the pro-life cause. So I woke up from this dream and I talked to my parents and we knew we had to do something. So we started a small group and that group grew even larger. And we eventually founded the first Catholic run maternity home in the state of South Carolina. So Claire, after these dreams, what came next? Talk to me about all of the resources that are now available for moms at St. Clair's home. So at St. Clair's home, we serve women 18 and older. We can house those women and their already born children. We offer them not just a place to rest their head, but we are teaching them because most of them come to us broken, abused, living in cars, living in tents. We are striving to teach them that they are daughters and have tremendous amount of dignity in our loving God. Mm. At the home, we not only provide housing, like I said, but we give them skills. We teach them life skills, such as financial management, how to change oil in the car, um, cooking, cleaning, any of those basics that, that these women might not have learned otherwise. Mm, that's so important. And Claire, it seems that you've been very successful in working with your bishop and the diocese to found the home. So tell me a little bit more about that partnership so that others can try to emulate what you're doing. Yes. So uh, several years ago, we, because we knew that we wanted to be, have a solid Catholic foundation, we wanted to approach the bishop and ask his permission and kind of just tell him exactly what was going on. So because two of our founding members were pretty close with the diocese, people working in the diocese, we um, got a meeting with the bishop several years ago, and 
it's quite exciting because we went to the meeting only asking for his blessing. We wanted to be in line with Catholic teaching and we wanted to have his support, mm -hmm. but he gave us so much more when he said, I can do one better. This is Bishop Robert Guglielmoni. I can do one better. I want this to be diocesan run because pregnant women and their unborn children, they need our help. And now is the time for this. Yes. And it's important to be tapping into the resources that the church has. It's amazing that you've been able to do that. Claire, as we celebrate the Feast of St. Claire of Assisi, talk to me about her impact on your life and her role in the founding of this beautiful home. She is our number one supporter. <laughs> we could not have done anything without her. <laughs> But the two reasons that we chose her specifically are she's excellent at giving a voice to the voiceless. And there's no one more uh, voiceless than the unborn and those pregnant women in crisis pregnancy situations. Mm. And we knew, and as you know, Prudence, in the culture of life, we have lots of attacks. And when we heard that St. Clair has on two accounts um, saved the city of Assisi from uh, attackers coming in. We knew that was the person that we needed, the intercession um, that we needed to have this home become a reality and for her as a role model for these women. Mm, a defender of the vulnerable, perfect patroness for this yes. home. Claire Pizzuti, thank you so much for joining us and for all the work that you've done to save moms and their babies. We're excited to talk to you more on Pro-Life Weekly in the future. God bless you. Thank you. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Don't forget you can find us at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, now X, Facebook, and Instagram, we're there. And if you're interested in more news from our nation and world, go to EWTN.com forward slash pro-life and sign up for our newsletter, The Pro-Life Pulse. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless. <laughs>